Time for uh, the morning panel. Joined today by Mojita Cox, founder and principal consultant at uh, Cox and uh, Company, and uh, political consultant uh, Nathan Carancy. Thanks to you both uh, for coming in today. Thanks for having us, Devin. Yes. Good morning. I want to start by talking about the uh, the public servants uh, strike that's on today is uh, day two. And uh, this is, you know, one of the largest uh, Canadian strikes we've had in Canadian history, which, um, you know, we don't, uh, you know, Canadians don't always kind of like have huge strikes like they see in France, that sort of stuff. Not that this is anywhere close to what they've been doing with pension reform and stuff in France, but uh, this is a pretty, uh, pretty big one. Just get your thoughts in general on what's going on right now. We'll start with you, uh, Mojita. For sure. 155,000 workers across the country is no joke. These are individuals who are processing our passports when we want to travel and visit family members. These are folks processing EI. We know what they do and it's important work. Right now, what we're looking at is a deep fight around the future of work with the federal government. And it's perplexing to me because one of the main sticking points from what I understand is this working conditions in general and the remote remote work uh, elements of the federal public service. I can understand with uh, the the high security needed for private information in certain roles that there's going to be distinct measures and some costs aligned with that. But there's also a huge cost savings with going remote and, and really just cutting those uh, huge costs of those buildings that are operating and running 24-7. So all that to say is that, you know, uh, the government has woken a, a, a giant, and I don't think they have been sleeping um, because they have been toe-to-toe with the government since Phoenix. And since that debacle, you would think the Treasury Board would want to have a different approach at the bargaining table. So I hope that they um, align with the modern ways of work and, and and really look at the implications of having workers of that uh, I would say in 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 those numbers out for a long period of time. Nathan, well, I, it's funny you brought up the Phoenix situation. I actually lived in Ottawa for a couple of years, and I remember when that was going on before it had broken. I remember there were classmates of mine that were coming to school saying, "You know, people working for the federal government aren't getting paid right now." And I'm like, "What are you talking about? That's not happening." And then eventually, it was like you know, national news all of a sudden. Um, so this has been happening for quite some time, and I am of two minds with this. You know, of course, uh, on one hand, I do think that uh, there's a huge delta, there's a t- huge gap between what they're asking for and what's being offered at the bargaining table in terms of pay. And I think for some workers, it's over 20% raise they're looking for. I mean, that's a big number, and I'm generally averse to that. But on that note as well, also the point you made about you know working from home it is a great point. It's a conversation we as, as, a, as a country have to have on a broader scale. Um, but in Ottawa specifically, again, I mean, lived there for only a couple of years that I did. It really, the city really is built around people living there and, you know, specifically in Ottawa. And I understand these workers don't just live in Ottawa, but this is a big piece of the broader puzzle. And I mean, we don't have to look, you know, uh, go further than, you know, the, the convoy and the disruptions that happened there to understand the uniqueness of Ottawa. But more importantly, I think that on the other hand, you know, I'm very averse to criticizing and really taking aim um, at anybody, frankly, at this point, making under $200,000 a year for what they're looking for in terms of wage, in terms of salary. I mean, we're in a 
we're at a point, and again, you know, of course, they're they're federal workers, and you know, it is a very, uh, in many ways, it's it's a good job, and I think people are that have it are very proud to have it. And there's a lot of people that would like it, um, but you know, this is not people like me and people like us, and anyways, to the extent that we can group ourselves together, I don't think should be you know taking aim at the workers. I think that uh, the government and management in this context, specifically the Trudeau government, should be, you know, should have done more to proactively prevent this type of situation. I think they could have seen it coming down the pike. And I think that the cost of living, I'm not in favor of addressing inflation and the cost of living and these gross issues that we have in society by suppressing, you know, wage inflation. By doing that, that's not what we need to be doing. Uh, What we need to be, you know, how can we continue, you know, printing money to finance, uh, uh, you know, our deficits or or wars that are going on or, or other things that we have uh, in the world? Um, and now all of a sudden, you know, criticize our neighbors who are making under $100,000 a year for asking for a significant increase, a significant increase, which, again, I have reservations for how much it is. Um, but nonetheless, we're not talking about somebody making a half a million dollars a year asking for $100,000 more. It's just not what we're talking about. What I think is really, you kind of touched upon this and kind of what kind of attracted me to this, and it's kind of a topic that has been around for a while, is this work arrangements and working from home, the future of work, you know, the new normal, whatever you want to call it, which, I mean, I, I, I personally feel like if five years from now, I don't know if working from home is the thing that becomes it or is it like four-day work? But I, there's a change that's going to come. I don't know what the change is. I, I'm i more in the in the vein of four-day work, four work weeks rather than work from home. But there's no one solution because sectors are different. But the whole work arrangement issue I think is a really interesting one because we have a, a situation right now – public service, private, whatever the case might be, where we have an aging population, there's going to be an imbalance in terms of do employers have the power, do employees have the power, and sometimes there's this struggle between the two and where that goes, The the I, which is why I think this is really interesting in terms of working from home and not. That's clearly people like the working from home. Absolutely. It's, it's a great uh, negotiating tool. So it's just perplexing to me that the federal government is pushing back on this. And it has been for some time, I think, the way that uh, once the, the, we started opening up the provinces and opening up um, the nation again to getting back to business to some degree of former normalcy, there was some pushback from what I understand. All that to say is I think that employers need to be flexible if we are not going to do as you say – you know, uh, Nathan, thanks for making the point of we can't starve workers when there's inflation. The, the way that we're dealing with the un- lack of affordability out in the world right now, the response isn't to, you know, I, I would say um, bargain in bad faith where you can have a little bit of right. movement forward in, in, in reaching an understanding. That's a tool that they can both come to an agreement with to some extent and meet each other halfway across the table. Uh, I think employers all across the board are, are seeing a significant shift. We have Gen Z to um, collaborate with in the workplace. They're a fascinating group of individuals <laughs> coming into the workforce. I'm raising one, so it's just so interesting. I pick his brain often to ask, you know, so what do you think of this? And I think that what the move, the direction, I am sorry if I digress, the direction we're moving into is more flexibility, more autonomy, if we're not going to match the expectations of people's wage expect, expectations and needs, not just expectations. 
there are there's a, a huge uh, income uh, insecurity issue in the in 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 this country with people who are working full time and sometimes multiple jobs. So <laughs> let's meet these workers halfway. What's what's it to anyone where they do their work with the federal public service? Then there's a significant uh, number of workers that don't require to be front facing with the public and are not dealing with extremely sensitive information that will cause a disruption for the federal government. So on my point, I would say just be flexible and see the future. Sorry, Nathan. No, great point. And I think that uh, ultimately there's a huge question um, to kind of borrow from both your points. There's a huge question of accessibility uh, in this conversation right now. I do know, you know, for, you know, I personally just, you know, esoterically, ideologically, I'm not a huge fan of work from home. But I am a hypocrite because (laughs) I have done very well, you know, when that became a lot more uh, frequent. Uh, my wife did the same. I know plenty of my friends and family who, by the nature of the work that they do and and what they have to offer, were able to do their work um, perhaps better but also just in a more consistent manner uh, when they were afforded that opportunity to work from home. Having said that, that's not for everybody. Of course, you know, um, to do one job where you you can do some administration or or take meetings that, you know, it, it, the nature of work is different, as you say. You know, I wouldn't argue, for example, teachers are able to work from home as often as, as they did during the pandemic. It, but it's just not the nature of the job. They know that. Right. I think we all know that, right? That's right. Um, and that's just one example, of course. Um, but it is a question of accessibility. And, the you know, what – even if we're talking about productivity, can – are there certain jobs that can be more productive um, there? The two points specifically in this regard – most of the federal workers or, or a large plurality of them, of course, live in Ottawa by design. Um, and again, whether it's Ottawa or other places where there's a high um, you know, concentration of federal workers, the city has, now, has then taken on kind of a bit of a, a design and a feel and it functions around those people going to work. So what do we have to do? We have to match that, but we also have to have the, you know, the, the demand meet the supply there. Um, and uh, but but to your point as well about um, security, I think there I think everybody understands that it's not every job that will be able to to, to do that. We continue on with the uh, morning panel, uh, joined uh, today by Mojda Cox and uh, Nathan Carancy. Uh, I want to continue with the convo we were just having because I I kind of I really like it and <laughs> and time is time flies. Like uh, the I, I really. I'm really curious about how this is going to go. You know what what the world looks like five years from now in terms of working from and, and what I worked from home uh, for a while. Uh, it was, it's weird to broadcast uh, from home. I like broadcasting here much better, um, but every like every job is different. And I just wonder if employers and I guess employees uh, to a certain degree are flexible enough to be able to adapt to the situations. I think maybe employees are a bit ahead of employers at this point having here, but I I wonder if both sides are ready to be flexible to meet whatever the situation, because there's going to be some sectors where, you know, there might be a lot of open positions and the employees can say, well, if you want me to hear, I'd like this, I'd like this and like this. And the, the employer would be smart in my mind to meet those. In the other sense, if there's not a lot of openings, you want to be in a certain sector, maybe it's different. So I wonder... What things look like five years from now? Well, they say necessity is the mother of invention, and we necessarily had to figure out a way to do this during uh, COVID pandemic, and um, you know some of the the actions we had to take and the restrictions we had as a result. 
Um, and now we have to kind of catch up with really what we're seeing in general is we're seeing a lot of technological advances. We always have, of course, but our legal – the legal frameworks and political frameworks that are around those technological advancements are – you know they're always you know a little bit slower and that's always been the case. Um, you know, we've talked about accessibility earlier. I mean, again, some of these some of these prospective restrictions on people that are um, you know able to work from home now, but were not able to to do so before, or you know, hey, I, I need to take a you know a, a nine month maternity leave or a twelve month maternity leave, um, but hey, you know, if I if I could just you know dial into my work once or twice a week just so I could stay in the loop, maybe I could do that for you know a half hour. Uh, you know, twice a week or something like that, so that when a mother wants to get back into the workforce, she's not being out and totally blind to whatever's gone on there for 12 months. I mean, these are things that are a conversation. One, last point I'll make uh, before I kick it to you is we're seeing a huge, uh, on a separate but related note, we're seeing a huge uh, um, perspective, I don't want to use the word collapse, but a downturn in the commercial real estate market. Uh, the Class B commercial real estate has been going down for a long time, but Class A, like the prime best real estate is uh, in the commercial side, places that would house offices and people like that, is starting to go down as well. And this is going to have a lot of effects on some uh, on banks, especially smaller banks. Um, but places, you know, even just think here in London, some of the places that are vacant, some of the places that are losing their value because the workforce that would have otherwise been there don't have to be there anymore and are not doing that. And their employers are accepting it. And now their employers are going, you know what, maybe we could save some money and have – you know, fewer spaces here at the office and, you know, the, the, the demand for the supply of that real estate goes down and the value goes down. So this has, I guess the main point is it just, there's a whole cycle of this and it's a whole uh, separate conversation. That's a great point. You know, if employers, I don't know, we we should do a, a, a broader scan locally of which employers have, you know, succumbed to the fact that they have to rethink the way that uh, they operate Every institution is going to have to think of it differently. I think the future of work is certainly going to be with more worker autonomy and flexibility, possibly four-day work week. We're seeing an upward trend of people testing and piloting that. We'll know more, I think, in latter part of 2024 what the experiences of these employers are with shifting to the four-day work week as a compromise. I think workers, the accessibility, the time they feel more product uh, productive at home. If that's the case, let's test it. Is is that true in the case of what they're what they're meant to do? And if it is, what is the problem? Right. Quite frankly, employers are saving money, legal fees. Can your workers harass one another if they're at home? Right. <laughs> you know, anyway. can there be workplace disputes if people are are, are at home? So there is one big and and far broader implication, I think, in its just societal-wise in, in terms of how we do community, this, by nature of living in North America, we're in an individualistic society. This is how we operate, where we have our intimate circles, but we're not a collectivist society. I'd be really interested in seeing if collectivist society, so if we look to the global south where they have similar structures where employers are probably grappling with this, with similar questions around the future of work, what the implications are with business? Are people still interacting with one another? Is there a cultural downturn? If we work on culture, Ottawa will be just fine if those federal public service <laughs> work from home. Okay, right, right. We, we, let's just settle on that. Right. So businesses will still be booming. We wouldn't see such a, a, a deep economic and societal implication. 
commercial office spaces. Well, hey, we have a we have a real deep crisis with lack of housing. I think mm. we can really see how that that we can translate those vacant offices into something. It's a good. great conversation to have. Absolutely. <laughs> but, to, but to your point is the moment you make that decision, there's yes. really no going back. You know, converting residential to commercial that'll never happen. So you know, it's kind of a once you make that decision, it's permanent. 